Hi, and welcome back to the AGD podcast series. I'm your host, Dr. Wes Blakesley. With rising overhead costs and more and more regulatory fees being heaped upon us, it's becoming harder and harder to maintain a profitable practice today while participating in many of the managed care plans. Most of us, I feel personally, prefer the traditional fee-for-service model where we set our own fees based on our respective levels of skill, care, and judgment and the time we devote to our valued patients. So today we're going to explore how to reduce the reliance on managed care plans for those who wish to do so. And our guest today, Susan Lekowitz, has developed a schematic to help us achieve this, which she's going to share with us this morning. Uh, so Susan, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you here. It's a pleasure to be here. We have a lot of material to cover, so I'm going to jump right in here. Uh, how, do, how do you determine and how do we determine uh, when and which insurance plans uh, that we should probably change out of and change our relationship with and become, and this is a great term, and we can probably talk about this in a second, and become an unrestricted provider? And, uh, and also the second part of my question is, uh, how, how do we do this? What reports do we need to run to, uh, to help us make this very difficult decision? Sure, I'd be happy to, to answer that. I, the first thing I talk to the, um, the owner dentist about is looking at running reports to finding out how many patients you have on each of the different plans that you're contracted with. So any dental practice management software can help you run those reports. So you want to be able to look at how many patients are on each plan. You want to be able to look at your contracted fees for those plans. And you want to be able to talk with your office administrator and maybe find out which of those plans are the most difficult to deal with, to process the claim forms. That might make your decision a little easier for certain plans as well. You know, so some doctors will start with the plans that have the least amount of patients on them or the ones that are the lowest contracted fees. And it's important to have a, a strategy. I like to come up with a strategy that's usually like nine to 12 months so that you can start preparing your patients for this change in your relationship with their provider. So it's important that we have conversations with patients when they're coming in for their, their hygiene visits so that we can prepare them for the change. I'm not a huge fan of sending patients a letter. I'd rather we prep them ourselves personally. I agree. Always best face-to-face. -face. So let's talk about formulating the plan to reduce reliance on these managed care products. Uh, I mean, how do you do this? Do you sit down, do I sit down and say, using myself as the example with my office manager and practice consultant, uh, is it just something that I would do with someone like you who has a, a, a coaching business? Uh, how do you make the, the gears come together and mesh? Well, I, I think it's, it's important to involve your insurance coordinator, whoever that is, on your team. And I think it's smart to really think about after you decide, make this decision, your practice is going to change. So you're going to have to take a look at what is my active patient base now? What is my vision that I want my practice to be afterwards? And how am I going to market and attract patients 
to come into the to come into the practice. So you have to really have a a, a good vision of what it's going to look like and what your your patient experience is going to be because that's going to be really important when patients are making the decision whether they you know stay with you or leave we have to take a look at uh your online reputation we have to take a look at what um what type of services that you offer and how do we how do we connect with our patients and really wow them you know when they're when they're in our practice Okay. I know we're going to talk about those things in a little more detail. So I'm just going to kind of, you know, go down the points that I have here and then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll circle back to those. Uh, okay. You mentioned preparing patients for this. Uh, and obviously that's, that's important. I, I've seen it both ways. I, I, I've had friends just throw the switch and they drop out of, you know, plan A or plan B and, uh, and they really didn't do their homework and they didn't do the preparation. So, uh, you know, we have, you know, a team, we have front desk people, we have uh, people in the back, the dental assistants, and then we have the hygienist. Is it the same narrative for each uh, part of the practice, front desk, dental assistant, hygienist, or do they have different different narratives for the patient because they interact with the patients a little bit differently? I like to say they have different narratives that all relate to their uh, point of focus in the practice. So, I think it's important that the team really understands why you want to make this change and the team really believes that it's best for the patients and it's best for us as the deliverers of the care. You know, being an unrestricted provider really translates also into we can deliver the care that we want to give to our patients. So what I like to say is prepping the patient by saying, you know, having even the doctor start the conversation in, you know, in the hygiene op or, or in their operatory to be able to say, you know, Wes, our relationship with your insurance plan may be changing at your next visit. Yeah, I can't continue to deliver the level of care I believe that is best for my patients at the contracted fees. So you're giving them an idea of what's, you know, what's to come. And many patients have seen this in their healthcare insurance. So that sometimes they, they understand it in many ways. And I think from a clinical standpoint, the hygienist can also have this conversation about the change, the upcoming change, and can formulate it to delivery of care for what they do. And they can tee up the administrative team members to be able to say the you know, our our gals at the front desk will go over what that's gonna mean for you. We're still gonna process your claims. We're going to either you can choose to have the in insurance check go to the patient and have the patient pay up front. Um if you can have an assignment of benefit you can have the you know insurance check come to the office and have the patient pay their cost of care and what we can reassure the patients from an administrative standpoint is we're going to handle all the paperwork for you that's not going to change that's it's going to be easy for you you know to go through this yeah that's important i find that 
that's almost an expectation today, <clears throat> excuse me, today's marketplace that you really have to be easy to do business with. And uh, I know even for myself and my family, it's just so nice to go to our physician appointments and I don't mind paying. I, I, I mind the time to do the paperwork. So I think that's key. And I think that's a, a huge benefit. And I know in our practice, uh, that would have to stay if we uh, if we opted out of some of these plans. Now, I'd like to uh, discuss with you financial options because I think that's very important today. And I'd like your opinion on, uh, well, we know it's important, but what are some of the different financial options, uh, Susan, that you have found helpful in coaching your, your clients opt out of some of these contracts? Well, I think it's important that you – lower the barrier to care and there are financial options. So you can partner with many lending institutions so that patients can spread out payments over time. Many many offices work with Care Credit or Lending Club or Wells Fargo. And I also think it's important to have a membership plan in your practice for your patients who don't have dental insurance. And these plans can be set up to any parameter you would like to to have them set to, and you can agree to uh, create a renewal for the patient once a year. So the membership plan will have a membership fee that covers their preventative and diagnostic care, and then you can decide on how you want to discount your services. And the nice thing about the membership plan is it's better than insurance. It's a plan that is not limited to a certain amount per year. It's a plan that has no waiting period. There's no deductibles. And it can be marketed to your patients as, you know, no insurance, no problem. We we can help you. It's a great idea for people who don't even, um, don't always have the ability to have dental insurance. Many times college-age students or retirees, they're, they're oftentimes where I've listened to phone calls and patients will call the office and ask the admin team, well, what's the best dental insurance plan to get on? I don't have one. And when you have your own membership plan, you can offer that for your patients. And it's a, it's a great, a great service for them. Could you just, and again, without being uh, specific, kind of give us maybe a generic uh, outline of what a membership plan might offer to a, uh, to a patient, either a new patient or a, uh, existing patient in terms of, you know, what would be uh, uh, charged for, uh, you know, cleaning and a recare appointment, uh, some rest- restorative dentistry, a crown, et cetera. How, how, how do they lay out? I like, I like to keep them fairly simple. So what I would say is let's take a look at your preventative and diagnostic fees. So usually for a membership plan, it covers two two profies or preventative cleanings, two periodic exams, a comprehensive exam, digital FMX, bite wing x-rays, an emergency exam if the patient needs it. And what you can do is you can take a look at if a patient were to buy all of those fees individually, what would that cost? And you would set your membership fee lower than that. And you would tell them, you know, there's a great savings to buying this membership. And usually I've seen them the memberships run anywhere from three forty nine to three ninety five per year for one adult patient. And then you can add in if you have a spouse, 
then the fee would be for adding a spouse would be a reduced, you know, fee from that or if you have a child. And you can decide if you want to reduce your restorative care or additional cleanings or periodontal therapy by anywhere from 10% to 20%. And what the patient needs to do is they need to pay for their restorative care at the time of service. There's usually not an extension of payment options. So that's a simple, simple way to, to put it together. Some offices will charge the patient monthly. Some will charge them yearly for the membership plan. Okay. Uh, do you recommend, and again, I want to put you uh, put your feet on the fire, but do you recommend uh, going with an established uh, uh, membership plan? And I'm not going to name any. Just it, we both know there's a uh, you know a couple out there, probably more than a couple, but two that I know of. Uh, or uh, is it more beneficial to not you know to establish it yourself and administer the plan yourself in-house rather than uh, you know uh, having someone else do that for you? You know that's a, that's a great question. I. I've seen practices that say, you know what, I have a real competent admin team and I think we can create um, create some processes and systems in place where we can track the patients, we can set up a fee schedule in the computer, we can set up a renewal notice for patients, and, there, um, and I've worked with teams that to do this for them. Or some people say, you know what, I want to outsource this. I want someone else to really manage this for me and create it. And there are many, many companies out there that can do that as well. I guess it just depends on the size of the practice, the skill set of the team, and the time involved. But in, in my opinion, what I've seen with my clients is they've been able to set it up with my help and then manage it pretty easily. Now, this podcast goes around the country. In fact, I'll tell you, it goes around the world. Uh, but uh, let's just talk about the U.S. Are membership plans, uh, in, your, in your opinion, uh, are they acceptable in most states? Uh, I guess everyone should, should check with their state dental board. But do you find that in your work that they're accept, accepted in most states? I believe they are, and I just came back from the Chicago Midwinter meeting, and, and I heard a good friend of mine speak, Teresa Duncan, and she's kind of my go-to expert on everything administrative in a dental office and, and you know, what's happening in the insurance world. And as long as you don't call it an insurance plan, it's not an insurance plan, it's a membership plan or a loyalty plan. And... I, you know, I think it's always prudent to check your Dental Practice Act uh, to know what's 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 legal and what's not. But I, be, I believe it. You can set this up. Okay, that's my feeling too. But you're the expert. I'm not. I figured I would just run that by you, so I'm a little more comfortable now. Uh, so that's good. Thank you. Uh, so, you know, my assumption is if we're going to go ahead and, uh, you know, opt out of some of these contracts, these managed care contracts. We've got to up our game a little bit, right? And I would imagine that online reputation becomes more important. And I'd just like your comments on that, if you would. Absolutely. If, if, if we're going to make that decision to be an unrestricted provider, our customer service has to really be spot on. So 
part of that is, you know, seeing patients on time. Part of that is doing our best to research and estimate what the cost of their care is going to be, looking into their um, their insurance plan, what they have, and having a very simple and direct and straightforward way of showing them different payment options. So I, I help teams create a payment options form that really shows the patient what um, what to you know what to expect so that they know you know in the beginning what to expect for the cost of their care and they have different options for paying for it so so that's really important and your online reputation is becoming more and more important I think healthcare is probably the second most searched for reviews online you know after like restaurants is is healthcare and there are services that help you improve your online reputation by messaging your patients after their visit and asking for feedback about their visit and there's a company that that I really love called BirdEye which has a seamless way of doing this and it's a great way to build your online reputation. It's a great way for your patients to express to you how they like coming, you know, to see your practice. It's great for the team. And when you're thinking about reducing your dependence on insurance, that's really your adjustments is really your marketing plan, you know, for that particular plan. So when you're getting off of these, you have to think about how am I going to get my message out to the public about my practice? How am I going to market my practice? What do I want to be known for? And online reviews is, is social proof. It's really, really, I think, important going forward. Yeah, I agree. Uh, we've been in practice. Uh, I've been in private practice for, I guess, this year will be 36 years. Wow. Uh, yeah, 36 years. And what I've seen over the last maybe five to eight years has been more of our new patients are coming in from online sources rather than word of mouth. So while word of mouth, in my view, is not dead, uh, it's being trumped, if I can use that word, uh, by, by the Internet and by people reviewing your website and your reviews. And we've had so many new patients come in. And they've told their front desk that, you know, we really like the not only the five-star reviews, but the comments that patients had about your practice being uh, high-tech, uh, you know, uh, staff present for many years, no, no, no turnover really, and, uh, and being on time. Being on time is huge, and they comment about that. So, yes, I agree 100%. I think uh, online today, online reputation is, is king. Absolutely. And, and if they're – if you can get a system for getting patient video testimonials that you can put on your website or on your Facebook page, that that's huge as well. So yeah, agreed there. there. So uh, I'm sorry. I want to circle back to the patient experience and customer service okay. because that that I mean, don't we expect the worst today? You know, if I call a company, I expect to be placed on hold and not answered. If I go to a store, I expect there to be not a salesperson. I mean, I just expect the worst. So how can we, you know, use that uh, to our advantage and provide excellent an excellent patient experience and great customer service? What, what are maybe you can be three or four 
things that you feel are really important that that every practice should have? Well, I believe the the first impression or the first contact the patient has with the practice is really pivotal. So when I'm working with teams, they'll say, gee, you know, always the first question or one of the first questions is, do you take XYZ insurance? And that is going to be a question that we have to really practice answering because if we're can connect with that patient and if we can guide that conversation and take control of it and be able to say, you know, that's a great question. I'd be happy to tell you how we work with XYZ insurance. Tell me how did you hear about our office and what made you call us today? What made you um, pick up the phone and call us? And be empathetic and create value for the practice, value for the the doctor and the team, value for even if it's as simple as, I'm so glad you called, you you called the right place. We'll take great care of you. And when I listen to these calls, you can almost hear it in the patient's voice where they sometimes they'll repeat it because they'll be anxious, right? And they'll say, oh, they're going to take good care of me. And then you can launch into, okay, well, we are considered an unrestricted provider on that plan, and this is how it's going to work in our office. So then you can explain to the patient about the payment policies and our ability to file the insurance for them. And one of the things that is important to do is talk to the patient about, besides their insurance, what is important to them about their care? And it gets them sort of thinking about, okay, you know, I want to go to a practice and have dental care that's going to last a long time. It's not going to hurt. It's going to, um, you know, I'm going to be comfortable during the visit. And I have one team member who got really smart and she said to a patient, well, you know, do you want to have to keep changing dentists every time your employer changes your insurance plan? And the patient was like, no, you're kind of right. That's a good point. You know, I, I, want, to, I want to connect with an office. So it's real important that we, we can create a strong connection on the phone in the very beginning. That's a great point you made, and I just want to underscore that, uh, not having to change uh, dentists every time the, the plan changes. Uh, People hate change. I know I do. And uh, I've been with my doctor for, I don't know, 25 years. Uh, I saw him Monday for an appointment. I couldn't imagine going to anyone else other than my internist. He's the best doctor in the world. And uh, he's my doctor. And I, I, just, I just can't imagine having another doctor. So I think that's very important. And the other, the other my takeaway from, from our conversation was your concept of the unrestricted provider. That's huge because there's no negative there. It's, you're not saying you're not a provider, that you're an unrestricted provider. And you've made a positive out of a negative. And I know since we met and, and spoken just casually on the phone, we changed our script in the office uh, because we're only in two managed care plans. We're not in six or seven or eight, like a lot of my colleagues. And uh, that's made a huge difference. You know, I'm making lemonade out of lemons. So, uh, Anyway, I like that. Last question. So I'm going to hold your feet to the fire again, Susan. Okay, you ready? Okay, shoot. Okay, here we go. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to throw the switch. 
What can we expect after we drop a plan, in your opinion and in your experience? Well, it's, it, it's interesting. It can be a, a little bit of a bumpy ride in the beginning, and many times the patients that you think will leave you and maybe they're patients that can cause you a little bit of grief and you almost wouldn't be sad if they left will stay. And some of your patients that you think would never leave you might might leave the practice. But here's the good news. If you can really communicate that they're welcome back at any time, you'll find many will come back. They'll go to another location or they'll go to someone within the network and they won't have the same connection or they won't feel that the the level of care and the services that they got were the same as yours. So it's you know it, it's interesting to see to see the process and see what happens. I think it's important though to also think about what am I going to do from a marketing standpoint, an external marketing and internal marketing standpoint to keep my new patient flow up. So it's smart to have a a marketing strategy, a plan, a budget, and a way to track it. So one of the coaches on my team is a is a marketing strategist, and she and I work together to take a look at where, you know, where the practice is, what the demographics of the area is, what are services the doctor wants to target, and how can we come up with a strategy and a plan that maybe ups their budget a little bit. Many dentists only spend 1% to 2% on marketing. We like to increase it to 3 to 5%. And then I work with the conversion of the phone calls. The marketing gets the phone to ring. So how do we convert that phone call? How do we convert that patient to yes? How do we, how do we track the results? And, and how, do we, how do we grow despite this change? Well, you're so friendly and positive. I can only imagine what it would be like to work with you. Uh, and I mean that sincerely. This has been just an outstanding discussion uh, on every level. And on behalf of the AGD, I want to thank you for carving time out of your schedule, which I know is busy, to uh, share your uh, expertise and experience with us. For the members listening in, and there are many, uh, who would want to work with you, uh, what's the best way for them to contact you? Well, I can be reached. My cell phone number is 860-657-6693. My email address is susan at dentalcoaches.com. That's the name of my company, Dental Coaches. I have a, a website and a, a contact form there. It's been my pleasure to speak with you today, and I'd be happy to offer a free 30-minute coaching call with anyone who'd like to tell me more about their practice and I'd love to help. Thanks, Susan. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Had a lot of fun.